0: Hello and welcome to this third episode of the Goal Hour, alongside Camille Epez. I'm Jared Johnston. We're Brad, instead of Brad. <laughs> We're glad to bring you content back. It's been a little while. We finally got our branding on here, so we got a new logo, courtesy of Jesse Cook, one of my uh, one of my co-associate producers here in Syracuse of a different show in a different company. But um, yeah, good friend of the show glad to get some great branding it looks fantastic we're big fans of weston McKenney but aside from that with the goal hour we're likely to bring for you legal at least bi uh, that's
1: not weston McKenney for legal, yeah, reasons, for legal that's...
0: reasons that's uh keston mckinney yeah um yeah great guy great fan of the show but um yeah we're glad to get your content going again we're gonna try to pilot mini episodes along with full episodes um we're going to try to bring it to you either weekly or bi weekly. Get that going on the show with some new episode art, and we'll be available on multiple streaming platforms. So glad to bring it to you again. It's Jared Johnson alongside Camilla Yepes, and we're going to get right into this mini episode UEFA Champions League and Europa League special. It's a European Cup special. And let's get started. Camilla,
1: what do Love we have here? Europe. So last time we'd already uh, seen the first. Round of 16, is that right? The first leg of the round of 16? Yeah. And now... Well, actually, no, wait. Did we see Atletico versus Chelsea?
0: Um... I believe I we, we got through the first... No. Yeah, we saw the first round of all of them. We were making predictions right. to the second legs, pretty much. Yeah, we got through all all right. of them. Alright,
1: so. Second legs of round of 16, let's go. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, let's just Let's just... Go one by one off what Google says. Juventus versus Porto. Porto!
0: Yes, sir. Honestly, that was outstanding. Outstanding result. (laughs) This was one we both saw and predicted. I mean, not just that we have bias for Porto, which we do, but um, (laughs) Juventus, Juventus, our team on the downturn, they need to stop being Um, relying on Ronaldo tactically. And honestly... Porto did have the quality to get that result. I'm sure. I think you watched the full game. I caught part of it.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest about one thing first. Mm-hmm. Even the commentator himself said this. Uh, Juventus, they they're kind of a, they have an aging team. They have an aging squad with a like, I forgot what number, so I won't say any number, but a a large number, less than ten, I think, of their like, players of their regular players are actually over the age of 30. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, when I found that out, was very surprising. But, I think that just shows that Juventus is a, they're an aging squad, and they gotta start signing young players. Or they gotta do something just with their youth. Yeah, and it's crazy to Uh, think that. Producing young players. Yeah, I think
0: it's crazy to think that in Gigi Buffon's career, he's never won it. Juventus has never won it in that lifetime, in that span. They got to that final with Paul Pogba. I think he's went to the final before. Like, looking at this team, when you think of young talent, you think of, like, Golshavski, you think of Chiesa. But, like, (laughs) there's nowhere else to go from there, even Deleek. But, like, yeah, an aging squad. And it's not like they're a bad team because they're still performing great for the Scudetto, as they do every year, even though they're still not in first. (laughs) But, like, you look at Barcelona the same way, as we'll get to later, just don't know if they're reliant on their star player or if they just don't have the pieces to put it together. And on the other side, Porto had the quality, in my opinion.
1: Honestly, um, I think there were a few, like, shining moments with Juve. Quadrado uh, mm-hmm. made some really good crosses in there. Uh, yeah. Chiesa. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how to pronounce it. Chiesa, Chiesa. right? Chiesa. 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 He... I'm... Uh, him... <laughs> He made yeah. two wonderful goals. Mm-hmm. Um. So Juventus still has that quality, and I mean, Ronaldo wasn't doing too bad, but he could have done a lot better. Mm-hmm. I'll say that much. Um. But now, talking about something else, I just want to talk about the game in in general. Yeah. Uh, I was very surprised by that red card. That red yeah, card was so. uh. It was similar to. The, What was it? I forgot the situation, but it was, I think, an Arsenal player who kicked the ball out Mm -hmm. uh, during a Champions League group game against... Oh, Robin Van Persie. Was it Barcelona?
0: Against Barcelona. Mm -hmm.
1: So, uh, the ref blows the whistle, and then the player kicks it, like, a split second later. Uh, It was Toremi. Turemi kicks the ball a split second after the ref blows the whistle, and he's already on a a yellow card, mind you. So now... The ref gives him another yellow card, making it a red card. And I, I I think that that was the turning point while I was watching where I was like, oh, no, Porto might actually lose this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the game was going 1-1, 2-3 on aggregate. Yeah, But, uh, you know, like they're missing a player, so Porto's going to have difficulties. But they managed to secure the win uh, with with a very late goal, which was deserved. I think was deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh from Sergio Oliveira. Uh, oh, yeah, he was class that game. Mm-hmm. He made both goals. Uh I think he made three or four goals in the entire like two legs between Juventus and Porto.
0: Yeah.
1: Which to me I think shows that Porto might actually be not a one a one player team but mm-hmm they they are also reliant on a single player.
0: Well yeah, absolutely, but when you talk about the offensive things for any underdog, it's tough to really single out a ton of players because usually yeah, the burden is the burden is heavy on the shoulders of few. But um if you think about teams that are usually able to get this far with the quality they have, it's often the defensive discipline. And when I was watching that first and second leg, the way they were organized out of defense off the press, if they couldn't try to impose their will, they would kind of sit back. They'd shift their centered events of midfielders and then they'd shift their outsiders. They'd play like a six in the back sometimes. Sometimes they played five in the back with four and then one. Just the way they were able to organize themselves and really enforce the low block to me was just fascinating to watch. And it's a huge, uh, that's going to be a huge asset for them in their next leg. Um, it's just making sure they maintain that discipline. But um, <laughs> in the game that really was free-flying, Dortmund versus Sevilla. I mean, I rated Papu Gomez in this game. Ivan Rakitic, while aging midfield that they have at Sevilla, I think they were class, a class midfield. I thought they could get the result. They did get a draw, and they lost on aggregate. So Dortmund going through, I mean... Camilla, we're both big on Dortmund still, so it's it's good either way. Yeah, you know. It's good for the game of football either way because it's two underdogs going into the uh, quarters. But um, what did you see from this game? Anything special? I mean, if you talk about anyone special on Dortmund, it has to be Erling Haaland, obviously. Yeah. I
1: I wasn't watching this myself because I was busy watching Porto. But uh, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I expected I expected a bigger win from Dortmund. To be mm-hmm. completely honest, I expected like a three nil, three one, something like that. But uh. Sevilla, actually, they exceeded my expectations. They they managed to hold their own for a while. Well, yeah, there.
0: but the thing is, when you talk about that, is Dortmund was up uh, in aggregate 5-2 to because they got two goals from Erling Haaland early on. Not early yeah. on, but in the 35th and the 54th. And then Sevilla scored two late ones, pretty much, set in, around the 70th minute and then in extra time. So Sevilla really from... wasn't in it in that well, respect, but... They were in it in the fact that they had the ball, they were generating chances, and in the end it was just Dortmund on the counter. Even though they've been struggling in the league, they still were able to get the job done with the talent they have up front.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd still argue that. Sevilla, they always buy, not older players, but they have a few older players. Rakitic. Yeah, before
0: that they had... I think they still have Lucas Ocampos. They had... Um,
1: yeah, they have Ocampos. They have... Uh,
0: another guy who... Danny Parejo, who played for Valencia. Parejo, and
1: they just signed... They, they just signed Papu Gomez. hmm So, like, you have some older players, which... It shows that they... They're still class. They're still mm-hmm. Champions League level. Yep. Uh, I just don't think they're Champions League last-16 level. <clears throat> that's fair. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's um, it
0: yeah. It's one of their first appearances in a while, but I mean, it's good for the game to see them there. Obviously, that's for sure.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially with Spain being uh, not very competitive with the top three, but having mm-hmm. the fourth Spa- Spanish team, the fourth Spanish team actually make it to the round of sixteen, yeah. mm-hmm. to me was surprising. Yeah, because it's always the the top three in Spain, and then the the fourth Spanish team usually goes to uh, Europa League.
0: Well, yeah, it's interesting, though, because it was kind of up for grabs. Always used to be Valencia coming in, and now, obviously, in financial devastation, they have still been trying to mobilize efforts to build the Nuevo Mestalla Stadium, which is the new Mestalla, pretty much, um, that would be next to their stadium on the old Mestalla ground, which is, like, super old, pretty much. But clubs running out of money. They've been settling off players. You saw that. Ferran Torres, who was sold off as well, but they're trying to get back on the up-and-up, so, I mean, as far as Spanish soccer, hopefully we'll see them back in Champions League someday, making a rebound, but Sevilla, filling their place, they did a good job, noble effort, um, ultimately couldn't go through, though, and Dortmund gets that draw, but um, <laughs> more Before staples, and, uh, yeah, go I ahead. I did want to say something. Mm-hmm. Before
1: we do move on, uh, that second leg, Sevilla did have 19 shots. Only mm-hmm. eight on target, but that yeah, that does exactly. show that they were, they were playing, with with effort. They were playing for the badge, as you might say.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, yeah. Um, but moving on, obviously, we talked about those two teams not being staples. Porto is not usually a staple, although having won the Champions League under Jose Mourinho. But PSG and Barcelona, Barcelona hugely uh, involved in Champions League affairs. PSG. History of oil, not necessarily history of European silverware, but they are both quality sides. Barcelona couldn't get the job done. I mean, to me it was expected because Same. PSG took that lead up 4-1 in the first leg. I mean, for Barca fans, though, they thought they had hope because I think I want to say that they missed a penalty.
1: Mm-hmm. But then, like, Yeah, I think they did. Yeah,
0: I want to say they missed a penalty because I remember Messi did something. Like, he scored a spectacular goal. After Mbappe made his penalty, but I want to say they had a chance early on that they missed. Then they were like, okay, you're still in the first half, down by three goals in aggregate, and they had time. But PSG just shut them down, and Pochettino is often regarded as a tac- offensive tactician. So, like, when you think about his defense, it's not necessarily like, oh, Pochettino's defense is scary. But at the same time, the players and the quality that they possess on that back line was just able to shut down a Barcelona team that's kind of going through growing pains with an aging Messi and an influx of new talent. You think of Mengueza, you think of De Jong, who's still adjusting in that pivot role. So, unfortunate result for Barca fans, but an expected one for us, I'd say.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, even... I just want to remember the statistic. This is like the first time in 17, 18 years...
0: Mm -hmm.
1: probably not 17 or 18 what was the uh statistic it's it's been a very long time since Messi and Ronaldo have not qualified for the round for the uh quarterfinals yeah Yeah, it's probably somewhere Uh, between 10 and
0: 15 because obviously Ronaldo would have gotten it with the Manchester United squad he had and then moving on to Real Madrid so yeah, <laughs> didn't even notice that's that at all. So that was a good catch yeah, it's, for sure. It,
1: like one or the other have always made it mm-hmm. to the quarterfinals. Which to me, this is I I want to point this out right now. This is kind of the end of the Messi Ronaldo, mm-hmm. and I I'm theorizing it's it's the start of the Holland Mbappe. Others may say it's not, but I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep pushing that boat.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It just depends where they go. Obviously, like there's rumors of. Um, Mbappe to Real and Haaland to Barca even though Barca doesn't have money but um, yeah you could see them go to the Premier League you never know but yeah those guys either team they'll take even if they're not in the same league in some respects um, they'll definitely be ruling the world <laughs> that's for sure Mbappe yeah. is already a menacing force on that front line but um, being, a,
1: uh, being on a World Cup winning squad at mm-hmm. the age of 19 I mean yep. It's, it's nothing to be... <laughs> he's a scary guy. He's a scary player.
0: Yeah, and it's people might look at that and say, oh, well, he's played on fantastic teams, of course, but you look at his Monaco side where they got to the Champions League final where he was one of the main catalysts of offense along with the great talents they had as well. Then he moves on to PSG. He's playing with Neymar, but Neymar's always injured in the key moments and Mbappe's always picking up the slack. And then when he was playing in France, just such a great side, playing alongside Antoine Griezmann. And then Giroud up top, too, who didn't get a goal. So it was Griezmann and Mbappe really forcing that offense for France. So he's always been a marquee man for his teams he's played on, and he's deservedly getting the recognition now, the front line of PSG, especially with Neymar still out, I believe. I think he might come back for the quarterfinal, though. But, yeah, so... There you go. Huge result. (laughs) But, um... Moving on, this is this one's interesting. I mean, big uh Reds fan Simon it... Hannah is probably happy, but Liverpool getting the 4 0 aggregate to Leipzig after a 2 0 victory against Leipzig, obviously. Um, I was stunned, I believe we both had Leipzig, unless you had Liverpool coming I'm... or keeping it up, but I had actually know I think I'd back.
1: like, I think I might have had Leipzig thinking about it now. I thought before I was back in Liverpool, but about it now, I was back in Leipzig because yeah, I thought Liverpool aren't in good form. They're going to, you know, they're, they're just, they're going to yeah, fall.
0: For for a full disclaimer, I, I myself, I believe I had only four predictions correct. So the ones I've messed up so far were uh, Sevilla over Dortmund and then Leipzig over Liverpool along with Camillo. So, yeah, it's just Liverpool... Honestly, I would just say showing their class and their experience because you think about it be Leipzig. They're a team that got to the semifinals last year, and it's not necessarily a fluke. But at the same time, like, they didn't really get some quality chances going against Liverpool in that second leg, only two shots on target from the perimeter. I mean, it just doesn't get the job done. I mean, you would have liked to see Leipzig maybe go through against a powerhouse like Liverpool, but I would just say it's Liverpool showing their class.
1: I mean and not to discount leipzig they have like some really key players upamecano mm-hmm. i can't pronounce it you Upa know that's the worst thing yeah uh huang chan one of the best uh, south korean Chingu players there is like right now
0: oh south korean my bad yeah
1: yeah um so i mean they've got a they've got a solid team it's it's just i don't think you can compete with the best front three in Europe, which they didn't even <laughs> yeah. start. James, mm-hmm. er, James Milner was pretty good, I th- I think, if I remember correctly. It might have been this game that I was watching, and I think James Milner did some pretty good passes. Well, he was probably there because I obviously. think
0: Hendo got picked up a knock either before that, or maybe he played for this game, but like they just had guys going in and out, so I mean... It's a credit for them to pick it up in the Champions League, even when they're struggling in the league still. So, I mean, but going into their next match, it's expected that they continue to get results after these two clean sheets. So, I mean, huge for them. But um, this next matchup, I was very disappointed. Not just, like, from the result, because it's kind of expected, but I had Atalanta winning because I did believe that they had the quality. But um, Real Madrid picks up a 3-1 victory. They really showed a different... Different element of them in the second leg, whereas the first leg, their strikers sucked. They didn't have Benzema, was a huge part of it. And they only scored that one goal from their left back on his right foot, Ferlin Mendy. So, yeah. Atalanta got a goal from Luis Muriel on a beautiful free kick, but it just wasn't enough. Real Madrid go through in a 4-1 aggregate, and I thought Atalanta set up well. They did the best they could mention, to impose the will, but Real Madrid really picked it up in that game.
1: Also, you did forget to mention one very important player that they, Atalanta did not have. Atlanta did not have. You know, I'm speaking with an American accent, and <laughs> I'm pronouncing these things with an American accent, so I apologize to all of our viewers. <laughs> but uh, a key player Atalanta did not have was uh, Zapata.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Zapata being was in the last like. Yeah, he had picked up a knock for like in the league and for quite some time, so after the first half, um, it was uh, Pasalic and Malinovski playing in behind Luis, but then Pasilich came off, and then Duvan was brought up with Ilicic. Ilicic, also a very good player for Atalanta, but he's also 34 years old, so like those two guys, Sabata because of the injury, and then Ilicic from age really being used in moderate times, but um, yeah, for Atalanta, I mean, they just—they also had Remo Frodo missing in the center midfield from the red card in the last leg. But Pessina was great. Pessina is a player I highly rate in Europe, even though it's underrated, obviously, because of playing on this team. But, yeah, I believe they have quality. But in the end, like their movements just weren't good enough. When they had the ball in the vulnerable areas, they couldn't sustain that pressure. It was like a one-and-done chance. Whereas the difference for Real Madrid was when they get a chance, they're able to get that second chance. They're able to control... Uh, the pace of play, so that's pretty much devastating for Atalanta in the end.
1: And of course, they still, they still have their uh, Atalanta's best player on the uh, bench. <laughs> yeah, Sam Lammers, the uh, <laughs> best bench warmer I've seen.
0: The PSV product. I'm sure you're big on Sam Lammers, who hasn't really seen much game time. You watch them at PSV, I guess. No. I'm
1: assuming. Yeah, I watched a few games, and I was like, I like this kid. This kid's going to go somewhere. I just didn't know it would be the
0: Atlanta bench. To be fair, he did go somewhere. Just uh, isn't playing. But um, <laughs> we'll just get through this <laughs> next one quickly. Maybe the next two quickly, really, in that respect. But um, Men's City versus Möken 2-0 victory, 4-0 aggregate. Same as the Liverpool-Leipzig one, Möken Gladbach had some good movements. They are lethal on the counter. I recall a game against Dortmund where they won 3-2 to after going down by two goals. And guess what happened? You'll guess what happened. They won 3-2. Oh. But you don't know how they scored. Um, but I'll get to that right now because all three goals that they scored, they scored off turnovers in the offensive third with their press, the way they organized, and took them winning the ball one touch pass goal. Statistically, that was they were on the ball for like 10 seconds on each goal. So that's something they really like to play is play super high up the field and try to use their shape to create chances. And in this game against Man City, they did fair well. They got three shots on target to Man City 6. Their possession numbers were, as usual, run a third of the possession because that's just the way they like to play. But they couldn't get the job done because... <laughs> Man City is the best team in Europe. I mean, Ruben Dias and John Stones are some of the best center backs in Europe right now. I mean, I don't think there's much else to be said when you say Man City because when you look around the lineup, everyone is just amazing in their role. I mean, there's not much else let's to say. just.
1: I mean, Man City have such a good starting 11 always. Mm-hmm. But now, let's just look at their depth for a second. I want to talk about something really quickly. Yeah. I'm just looking at their substitutes for, for the game against Mönchengladbach. Mm-hmm. Munking Gladback, I can't pronounce it. You know, I'm trying to learn. I'll learn, I'll learn off. I'll learn <laughs> off the podcast. Let me continue. I apologize, everyone. Uh, they have Nathan Ake on the bench. Mm-hmm. They have Raheem Sterling on the bench. Granted, Mares and Foden were on the wings. Mm-hmm. Um, They have Gabriel Jesus on the bench. They have Sergio Aguero on the bench. They have Laporte on the bench. They have Benjamin Mendy on the bench. They have Ferran Torres on the bench. They have Eric Garcia on the bench. Mm -hmm. I mean... These are some class... These are world class players.
0: Yeah, 50 million and up for all these players. Absolutely.
1: They're all on the bench for... A Champions League group match. I'm... I feel like... Just one Man City starting 11 is probably... More than like the entire... Fucking... Bleep that bleep to that. Uh <laughs> like the entirety of like a Fulham lineup. Like uh, the entirety of Fulham mm-hmm.
0: itself. Yeah. Or Sunderland, you I know mean, what I mean? It's
1: It's It's mostly money. That's that's yeah. I don't rate Man City just because of that, just because of the money.
0: Yeah, I do rate the players, but I don't rate the price tag. I mean John Stones, yeah. the revival of his, his career has been outstanding. I've loved watching it. It's class. Just love it. Love the mentality that he's gone about to get his spot back. Ruben Diaz is just worth every bit of it, obviously. So, um, but Kyle, yeah, I Walker. Mean, expect- uh, Kyle Walker. It's expected, too. Yeah, Kyle Walker with some off-the-field issues, but he's really shorted up. had a good performance on the field. Um, but, yeah, looking at Bayern Lazio, another basically dominant figure in its own respective league 6-2 aggregate Lazio's a pretty good side in Italy a uh, good friend of the show Reese Kaplan is really big fan of the way they play and the players they have but just not enough firepower when all you have is Robert Lewandowski just getting the job done he scored a penalty in the second leg <coughs> to secure the victory Chaupo and his Asian are making bank after he scored a goal in the 73rd minute um yeah, not much has to be said except Bayern is Bayern and they're on to the quarterfinals is what I would say if you have anything.
1: No, uh, all I gotta say is Bayern are probably gonna win <laughs> the entire competition again. Repeats.
0: I mean, it's tough to say because like you look at teams in the past that might have been as strong and you say, oh, they gotta win it, but they don't, but like. With Bayern, they were a team that was so good into it last season and they won and were just like, okay, well, they did it, great job, and now they're back at it again and they look invincible. I mean, What else can you say about a team with under Hansi Flick that's changed the way they play with some new talent and old talent? I mean, just fantastic the way they've been able to adapt. But um, talking about adaptability, I guess. (laughs) Chelsea, 2-0 victory to Atletico Madrid. They were already up 2-0 before the red card, so that didn't play a factor. But um, Simeone failed to score in both legs. Surprising result for me, because I thought El Pistolero would pull through on the counter. I thought Atletico would try to pull back only down by one, but you know the way they play. It's pretty backwards in the fact that they play to not score, to not get scored on rather than to play to score a goal. So in some respects, that can bite them, and it obviously did. But Chelsea adaptability is basically Tuchel's middle name. When he got there, he started playing with the back four, tried to experiment with the front three, a single target man with Giroud. Sometimes he played 4-4-2. He's really likes settling in with this 3-4-3-3-5-2 formation. Always likes putting Alonso, Rhys James, or Callum Hudson-Odoi on the wing, and they've been outstanding in the wing-back role. And that's really synergized the Chelsea offense to control games and Hakim Ziyech got a goal and then Emerson got a goal subbing off for on for Alonso on his first touch of the game and that really sealed the deal so Chelsea through to the quarters i mean Tuchel looks like he's done a good job after getting sacked from PSG
1: yeah i mean, nothing else i can really say about it <laughs> the yeah, the problem i have with with Simeone's entire like strategy is- once they get scored on, they they can't really do anything. They, they're, they're screwed. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, unless they've already scored two or something. I saw this with the uh, Madrid derby. Yeah. Like, they each of the teams scored.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I didn't expect Madrid to score, uh, Atletico to score again after their their first goal. I was like, oh, okay. That's the goal mm-hmm. for the day for it go, cuz they they're just such a defensive team and the way they play is defense 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 yeah everything over defense i mean it's it's not surprising when when they draw a game or they lose a game
0: mhm 2-1 2-0 1-1 i mean yeah their their margins are, are like uh are usually not very large when they do get it so like if that's a positive for them, sure, but at the same time it doesn't help them when I, they need to get goals in clutch times.
1: I don't think it's it's sustainable to me. Mm-hmm. Like You saw them have a a giant lead in the in the La Liga table Yeah. Earlier. Now they're they're still in first, but they haven't
0: I believe they're five points up with a game in hand or maybe they don't have a game in hand.
1: Uh, they don't have a game in hand. Ah, okay. And they are four points up. Four points up. Mm. So, I mean, I I see some flaws in the strategy, but it's working for them. It's working mm-hmm. for them. Yep. But I, like, I'm looking at their recent form as well. Their last five in La Liga games mm-hmm. has been three wins and two d- ties. So, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. But they've been winning. They've been winning by, like, 2-1. 0-1. I mean... You know, like, they're not getting scored on. Yeah. They barely get scored on. Last time two goals were scored on them was Chelsea. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And before that, it was Levante. Yeah. Like, a month ago. So... Yeah, I mean... It's a flawed... I think it's a flawed system, but it works for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they... They try to do it. I mean, it does work a lot of the times. You see, even Jose Mourinho is defensive in some respects. Most respects, really. But a huge element is their counterattack. But um, just didn't work in this game. <laughs> but um, if we look at teams that really don't play the counterattack, but, I mean, they do operate in some pressing, like, in different respects. Real Madrid against Liverpool, moving on to the uh, draws from these results. Their quarterfinals on April 6th, they'll be playing along with Man City and Dortmund. But I mean, if I'm looking at Real and Liverpool, Real likes to keep the ball. They like to move it around. They just really control the game. And Liverpool, on the other hand, they have a counter, but they can hold up the ball. But a big element of their the game under Jurgen Klopp is the heavy metal football under the press. He's literally called it heavy metal football because of how aggressive they are, how physical they are, high up the field to try to win the ball back. So... To me, if they can continue to get these results in clutch moments, and if they can find their form in the league, it will be a very exciting game in the first leg.
1: I mean, I I agree completely, Jared. This is probably going to be, I I think, the most interesting game of the uh the four of the the quarterfinals. Uh. I mean, first off you got Liverpool's heavy metal football, as you said before. Mm-hmm. They have the I'd still argue the best front three in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um now obviously they're they're not they're a shadow of their former selves, but they're yeah. still a a world class team. They're still, I'd say one of the best teams in this competition.
0: Well, before they picked uh, up the Knox, Diego Giotto was really filling Bobby Firmino's role, so they have players that can slot in and be adaptive. So, they have but, the experience as well. That's for sure.
1: I was gonna say the one thing about that is they they are missing a few key positions and mm-hmm. depth in in these key positions. Obviously, center back that they've been having a lot of problems there. Mm-hmm. Uh they've covered left back. I want to say they have that a uh, Greek guy
0: Sissippos. playing in left back. Now. No, not Sissippos. Yeah, they have um, Semikos.
1: Yeah, Samikas. They have him whenever the uh, Scottish. I keep forgetting names. Yeah. think No. 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 No, Wait. What? Uh, I forgot the player's name. Left back. Yeah,
0: the guy from Preston North End, right?
1: No, no, Robertson. Robertson. Oh, Robertson.
0: I thought you were talking about another signing and I was like, oh, I thought that guy's Welsh, but I'll say uh Davies. No, no.
1: <laughs> no, I was talking about Robertson. Um, oh, okay, I mean, yeah, they still have Robertson there. Yeah. So they have good players. They just I think if they have like an injury in in one of these positions. Mm-hmm. positions. Center backs, the only one that comes to mind. Yeah. I guess maybe you could say uh, No, I I honestly couldn't name any other positions.
0: Well for their back. center backs, they probably won't get Van Dyke back. Montep's still injured. He had an ankle ligament injury. I know how brutal that is. Often takes longer than uh, broken bones or fractures to heal. I was like, Kyle bach has been playing back there, but some guy they really like now is Nat Phillips who stepped into the role. Just a young Academy product that is really thrives <laughs> in recent games. So yeah, I mean he that's has. something to watch. Like I do think that they can fill it up fill up their roles but like when you're talking about those guys they're not experienced to play at the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Sure if you pair Mathis Delique in his first season with uh, Giorgio Cicchellini yeah I think that's a great partnership but if you play Mathis Delete and then you pair him with another young Sam back like Ozan Kabak off a transfer of a relegation struggled Schalke yeah that's where you see the problems come in and then Ben Davies is the guy who uh, signed for them from Preston North End, but um yeah he's That's actually the Tottenham one. <laughs> yeah, there's like Ben Davies, Ben Davies and Tom Davies now. But um yeah, I do think they will have they will have supporting cast, but I'm not completely sure that if they do have to play those guys like Phillips or Kabak or Phillips with Reese Williams or Gomez or anyone. They don't have VVD in there at Virtual Van Dyke. I don't I don't know how it'll fare, but I do think they have the quality if they don't mess up to at least get a draw against Real Madrid.
1: What are your predictions for just in in total?
0: Well, I really like how Real Both played legs. Yeah, I really like how Real played with um Benzema against Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's arguably one of the best strikers in the world. If you're talking about two true strikers in its name. Like, you can think of Mbappe and Haaland, but they're... Yeah, Mbappe's more of like a winger. More of like... Um, he still plays in the striker role, but he can play um, in behind. He's not necessarily like a target guy who can hold up the ball. And if I'm thinking of those type of guys. You think Lewandowski. You think of Lewandowski. You think of uh, Benzema. And I just think... It, With that inexperience on defense, he overpowers them. He's able to fuel the offense, even with Vinny Jr. missing chances. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'd I'd give Real Madrid... I'd say they'd go 3-1 in the first leg because I think Liverpool has the quality to score. But if they don't have their defenders back, they can just overpower them. So in that first leg, I'd go 3-1, and then they just continue to win, maybe get like a tie or a 2-1 draw in the next game. But I do think that Real Madrid will go to the semifinals.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. Um I don't I don't see Liverpool coming out of this. They they still have good players.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think Real Madrid's like midfield as well is just too heavy to for Liverpool to knock.
0: Yeah, you talk about Casemiro, Kroos and Modric who have been through the ringer. Uh I a mean, World old Cup runner-up. Kroosch won the World Cup and then Casemiro's probably won the UCL three times or something and then of course they won La Liga plenty of times together so I mean that's probably one, one of, of the best also... midfielders in the world midfields in the world arguably like if you need someone Modric... to count on they will not mess up that's Modric... for sure
1: sorry I keep interrupting you I oh, apologize no, um, Modric is also a Ballon d'Or winner Mm-hmm. so yep. i mean he's, <laughs> yes sir he's in his i'd say he's, he's a bit past his prime but he's still in his prime mm-hmm. he's past any other player's prime but he's sure yeah he doesn't seem like he's gonna stop anytime soon he'll probably move to a smaller club i assume but in like one or two years but i mean yeah i could see him moving back have,
0: to spurs or something like that yeah that would be a nice yeah, move for him
1: like what Bale did so um I can still see a lot of these players stay with a a Real Madrid side that could win mm-hmm. another Champions League. Not not this season, but I think if Zidane or a new coach, a new manager were to come in and mm-hmm. rebuild uh, like the the forwards, rebuild the squad's uh front three. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're um Defense, some of their defense. Then yeah, they could win the Champions League.
0: Yeah. Because
1: um, they have a they have a very good just um I don't know what you'd call it. They have right now they have a very good base that they could build upon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They could definitely build upon it, but I mean, even right now, still such a devastating team to play against. But um. I mean, if we're talking about Giants like Real Madrid, you think of Man City as well. In the present day, not necessarily historically. City versus Dortmund playing at the same time. Dortmund, obviously the underdog. Want to play in the counterattack, and Pep wants to play possession, wants to hold the ball, wants to control the game. Um, honestly, Camilla, what are your first thoughts about this? Because this is an interesting draw
1: to me. I, As much as I hate to say it, I think City... Will do have the legs just with their entire squad um, mm-hmm. to beat Dortmund. Dortmund are a bit weak on, um, I mean, not the wings, but the wing backs mm-hmm. and some of the defense. So I think that um, as soon as as soon as Man City can push past that, yeah. push past that for those forwards, they've they've got like. These are world class players. They'll beat the defense very quickly. Mm-hmm. Beat the, the Dortmund defense very quickly, and um, just about scoring goals for them. So I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not 100 percent sure how Man City play completely.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, I could see Pep to be smart enough to actually adapt. Yeah. It's but fair. I I do still see Dortmund having some quality chances that they can't take advantage of. And possibly come away with it, but I mean, maybe score a few goals, but I don't, I don't see them defending that well against mm-hmm. Man City.
0: Wait, when you talk about adapt, something Pep didn't do in the last game, quarterfinals against Lyon, where Pep, yeah, he did adapt, I guess, in some respects. He wanted to match up with a three-five-two against Lyon. But decided never played that before, and they had injuries on defense, so it didn't really make sense. Like if you're the if you're the powerhouse team, you should be imposing your will, not trying to play to the strengths of another team. So Leon got through. That was an interesting complex for Pep, but I'm sure that he'll take that lesson and he'll change some things in the way he thinks, but he'll still impose the same tactics that he's done in the Premier League that got him to a 21-game unbeaten run. Until they lost to Man United two one a couple weeks ago, so yeah, I do see them getting result. I think it's inevitable. Do I think it's close? I think yeah. I think Haaland could keep it close. I think that Dortmund could keep it close, but again, I think like the result would be the same like Real Madrid versus Liverpool. I think it would be like probably be like a somewhere close to like a four one four two aggregate. It could even be like. PSG's 5-2 aggregate. I don't think it'll be close, but I think as far as the games go, it'll be back and forth. That's for sure.
1: So, your predictions so far are Real Madrid and Man City.
0: Yeah, pretty much all of the big teams. Not the underdogs. You me know, team, Liverpool's a big team, but yeah, Liverpool's the underdog in this matchup.
1: Yeah. Um. Now, next, we have to talk about Last year's Champions League finals matchup mm-hmm. Bayern versus PSG. Yeah. What do you how do you see this game playing out?
0: This is so tough because I'm sure you know about Pochettino under Tottenham playing free flowing attacking football. For Bayern, what I love about the way they play that's often overshadowed in my opinion. Yeah, they have Möller up front, they have great guys in Goretzka and Kimmich playing in the midfield holding up, holding the ball up, but my favorite part about this Bayern team is their high line. When they press, much like Jurgen Klopp, except they play even a higher line under Hansi Flick, when they press, they'll have their defenders ahead of the half line, they'll have the wingers pinch the, the outsides and they'll try to have forwards impose the press to the center back so that they force the ball into certain areas and then they know when to uh, send multiple players. It's basically like a situational overload. So for mm-hmm. example, if they pressure the center backs, they'll have them they'll give them a pass to the outside back, and then they'll press their outside midfielders, their central midfielders, and their forward to try to win the ball back in a good position. And to me what's so great about that system is how brave they are and how much they trust Menwill Neuer on the back line along with their defenders to not get beat over the top. And they trust that they'll just be able to win the ball back and be on the same page and it's worked for them tremendously this season. I think that press is unbeatable. PSG could easily prove me wrong because they have the quality, right? But um I don't I I just I just see Byron getting the job done. Do I see PSG scoring? Not even. I think Bayern defends Lee. I think it's a close game though. I think they get like a two 0 uh win on the first game and then they tie in the next leg and they get like a 3-1 aggregate. I think Bayern goes through just because I love the way they press with that team and I think it's unbeatable just the way they've played with it for over a year now.
1: I I could see that playing out. Um I I mean you have some very good points with uh Bayern especially just being a a very pressing team. Mm-hmm. But I I do still think Pochettino does have very uh, some good like strategies under his sleeve. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. In his sleeve. Uh whatever the term is. Yeah. Pochettino I I think again will will come up with something. He obviously I don't think will win, but I think he will make it a tough game for Bayern. Mm-hmm. Uh with PSG last year in in the Champions League final, they lost 2-0, was it? Yeah. Uh they they didn't really. It was an off day, is what I have to say. I mean, like mm-hmm. Mbappe, Neymar, neither of them really showed up. But I I could see PSG using some key players like Mbappe and Di Maria mm-hmm. to win the game yeah. or even just draw it.
0: So, what would be your uh, Predictions? Just throw out a score or aggregate or whatever you think.
1: Uh, a score would probably just be Bayern three, PSG two. That's interesting. Uh, First, yeah, and and then I'd say the second leg might just be at one one. (laughs) No, no, who knows?
0: It's weird in these predictions we never have a team draw and then win it on a get away aggregate. Honestly, it's super variable with the fact that fans aren't allowed in stadiums as well. So, <laughs> Porto obviously got a got through to the quarterfinal on their away goals aggregate with a 4-4 tie against Juventus, and they will be facing Chelsea on April 7th, the same time as the Bayern PSG game. Um, I don't know if we're thinking with our minds or our hearts here for this one, Camillo, but like,
1: I'm, I'm saying that heart. I'm
0: thinking with my mind because I truly believe it. <laughs> I believe Porto can get a result, and I don't think it's stupid to say so because when I always talk about teams on this podcast, I always talk about defensive discipline, the ability to stay with your system and trust your system and trust the man alongside you. And I think Porto can do that, and I think they've proved it against Juventus. I think Chelsea has more quality. I think that they are more lethal, especially on the counter. But Porto knows how to get numbers behind the ball and win the ball back, and I think they know how to take their chances on set pieces. Obviously, Sergio Oliveira got the job done. But if I had to pick a score for this game, man, <laughs> I wouldn't know if I would pick a low-scoring game or a high-scoring game because Chelsea is very good at getting a lot of goals off the counter, they've showed it, but then at the same time, when Tuco first got in, they kept five clean sheets and only had one victory. So they had tied the rest of them or something like that. So yeah, it's tough to look at, but I would say that it's a tough game because of Porto's defense, so I would say a low scoring game. And I want to say that Porto will go through 2-1 or they would go 2-2 on away goals out of the both games. That's my prediction. That's my feeling. From my mind, and my heart, but I do think their defensive discipline can have them go places, and I sure hope so. But um, <laughs> I mean, what do you take out of that?
1: I, I could see Porto coming away with it. Porto coming away with it, but uh, I still see Chelsea putting up a big fight. Uh, Tuchel is obviously adapted Chelsea so much since mm-hmm. he he's come into the team. But uh I still see Porto having those those really not even world class players, just experienced players like um Pepe really.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Pepe uh, was pushing outstanding. The entire team. Yeah, he was yeah, outstanding. I mean, you saw last hero
1: last like or last round, uh Pepe was pushing the entire team to to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also had that with Toremi and uh, Oliveira.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of them were were playing hard. Uh, I I do think the one player that is kind of who I didn't really see show up against Juventus was was Corona. So, but I I could see Corona's experience coming in to help Porto win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea do have some very good players. They obviously have our favorite player in the world. Christian Pulisic. Yeah. Uh, will he play? Probably not. But no, they have good players that will make an impact. Uh, it it just really depends on. It depends on whether or not they have a good game.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But um, we're just rounding out our UCL predictions, I guess. Oh um, wait, we went let through me, those. Uh, yeah, go Put ahead. my
1: score in. Sorry about that.
0: Oh, you didn't put your score.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm giving this a Um I could see a three one first leg and then probably like
0: one 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 three One two. Yeah, similar to what I uh, I
1: think it's going to Porto.
0: But yeah, Probably small off margin, pretty much. Yeah,
1: Probably off of Wiggles, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, if we just got through those second leg results for you guys. Um, going to our predictions, I mean, some of them are pretty clear cut. Our last one is just what we've gone through. If you listen to our previous episodes, we take you through our thoughts on why Porto's been so good and how they've executed their results. But um, for our predictions, going through would be Real Madrid, Man City, Bayern Munich, and Porto. So, um, at least for those first leg results, we will see them two weeks from now, so it'll be a while in that respect, but we'll give you an episode surely after that, a mini episode going over that, but these are our predictions for both legs going through to the semifinals before both of them happen, so, I mean, that's fantastic, we'll hope to see those competitive legs come through and maybe see a Porto victory, but, um, if you think about Let's European pray. Cups, we love watching European Cups. Camillo, you like incorporating the Europa League because your beloved Spurs are in them as well. And I'm sure We're this won't them. be a. Uh,
1: We're in them. This won't
0: be good to get through. I mean, we could go to Arsenal, but um, we'll just go no, real okay. quick touch on their result if you want.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out of the room. Go with Arsenal first. You talk about Arsenal first. I'm gonna step out of the room as you talk about Arsenal. First. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, yeah. So you just heard Camillo there. He's gonna step away. Because it's interesting enough, the two North London rivals played at the same time on Thursday. And Olympiacos won against Arsenal in the second leg, 1-0. Having a red card, but it wasn't enough to get the vic- get the victory in both legs, essentially. So Arsenal did go through 3-2 on aggregate to uh, the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, Tottenham came into the second leg against Dinamo Zagreb with a 2-0 lead. Then Zagreb came in, and they got three goals, all from the same man. Mislav Orsic scored a goal in the 60-second, 80-second, and 106th minute. And what was crazy about that for Spurs was that Dinamo Zagreb had the same amount of scoring chances, five shots on target, more shots attempted, similar amount of possession, and, I mean, it was just really lackluster performance from Spurs. I mean, what else could you say about it? I, Um,
1: I'm, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what, what were they doing? They, Mm -hmm. they were 2-0 up, and even from, from the interviews, Jose was saying that he, he told the players, don't settle with Mm 2-0, play as if you're losing, get, get two goals, get one goal, don't be satisfied with 1-0. Yeah. Keep playing, but, um, I guess the players just didn't really show up that day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess the players didn't show up on Thursday. Uh, it, it, it would have been better if, if Tottenham just said, hey, uh, we can't make it to the game. Give the win to Dynamo Zag Mm-hmm. But, uh, last we had to play, and we had to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't surprising. I was very lucky not to have watched it. <clears throat> I was busy helping my friend with a film project, so I didn't get to see this atrocious display. It, it's, again, showing Tottenham's... From what I got, it's it's a, another game showing Tottenham's defensive inconsistencies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, oh, yeah, I absolutely.
0: Mean, I mean, what else could you say? <laughs>
1: Uh, you could see, like, as you said before, with just the statistics, Tottenham had just as many shots on target as Dynamo Zag- uh, Zagreb. Zagreb. D- just as much possession, if not... Yeah, a little more possession.
0: Mm-hmm. Yet
1: they still lost by 3-0. Um, I mean, it's just... Lloris made two saves, I think, that game. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but the defense was awful in defending the shots they scored.
1: I mean... It's it's the defense and the goalie. They're not very consistent. They made mistakes. Mm Mm-hmm. And what else can be said?
0: Yeah. But, I mean, these Europa League results, they're tough. Some of these teams... Some of our listeners probably wouldn't know, but we'll get into them. We'll roll right through them. Some of them are pretty um, pretty just surefire wins on aggregate from some teams. But, um, yeah, Molda and Granada was actually close. Molda is, um, I want to say they're Icelandic, but I'm not sure.
1: Uh, they're so or they're
0: British Norwegian.
1: Norwegian Norwegian, because Holland played there.
0: Yeah, because I was thinking of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I want to say yeah. is Icelandic. No, nah, um, he is, he is But he's Norwegian probably Norwegian. He's also Norwegian. Pain. But um. anyways, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense why he was the coach there while Haaland was there. But um. yeah, they got a result. Really good result against Granada. They got a 2-1 victory, but they lost 2-3 in aggregate. And now small team Granada from Spain go through to the quarterfinals. It's huge for Spanish football. Go. Yeah, we talked about some teams that like hadn't played as well. I mean, one player that I look at is Alvaro Negredo, who's played there now. He's used to play at Valencia. He was a huge goal scorer there in the Champions League, getting them really great results, and now he's doing bits for Granada. So I mean, that's huge for that team, but um, <laughs> huge for them getting through on an aggregate three to two. But like these them. next, yeah, these next couple results, um, we're just gonna fly right through them because it's nothing else to be said. Are done Donetsk, they purposely lost their game in the Champions League to go to round sixteen to try to uh, get money from the Europa League and go farther instead of getting Champions League qualification money. But uh, they lost two one to Roma, and then they lost three 0 in their last leg, so they lost five one in aggregate. So like. Didn't work out in the end of them, because Roma's a class team under their new manager. Their tactics have been outstanding. They're fourth in the Serie A, and they look like they could be on the up and up. So, I mean, huge for them, an easy result for them. And then again, another easy result. Villarreal against Dinamo Kiev, getting a 2-0 victory to tack on to their 4-0 aggregate to get to the quarters. Again, Spanish football doing bits, <laughs> that's for sure. But Dinamo Kiev enough. was not a challenger. And then Slavia Praha. Who beat Leicester City in the round of 32, came to the round of 16, and conquered against Stevie G's Rangers. Because they got a red card, but at the same time, it was a 1-1 tie in the last leg, and they just got the job done. Now they're through to the quarters, and that's huge for a uh, Czech football team out of Prague, the capital of Czech Republic. I mean, I'd say that's a pretty huge result looking at that.
1: Very unfortunate for the uh, champions of Scotland.
0: Yeah, that's for sure and my
1: they also i mean i was surprised because just from rangers domestic like in the league how they've been playing yeah they're they've already been crowned winners of scotland before before like may
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it was surprising
0: yeah but uh next result going through man united beat milan Ibrahimovic was there for the second leg against his old club, but they could not score a goal. So Milan went through, or rather, Man United went through two to one on uh, their aggregate. There is what I want to say. Did they go through? Milan uh, didn't yeah, make Man it, United right? Yeah, Man United went through. Yeah, Man yeah, United yeah. went through. But um.
1: But Ibrahimovic did get to see. His good old friend, uh, Paul Pogba, <laughs> yep. for uh, a goal.
0: Yeah, and then the last matchup in the quarters, or rather this round of 16, wasn't a close one. BSC Young Boys out of Switzerland, which is an interesting fun fact for many listeners, lost 2-0 to Ajax. They lost 5-0 on aggregate, and Ajax, after losing in that Group H, I want to say, against Atalanta and Real Madrid, do get some... Uh, gets a recoup, some losses, getting through to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. And so getting through those results, we have our first legs. Those are slated for April 8th. I believe that's a day after the UCL games. Or never mind, that's two days before the first one. And then one day after the second round of those first legs. But for the Europa League, all of those are being played at the same time. Four matchups. Arsenal vs. Slavia Praha, Granada vs. Man United, Ajax vs. Roma, which should be a great one, and then Dinamo-Zagreb vs. Villarreal. So Camilo, you're obviously an avid fan of the Europa League, your beloved Spurs aren't there, but our first matchup we're looking at, Arsenal no, vs. It. Slavia Praha. Ever. I mean, I would at least think that you would pick Slavia Praha to go through, because...
1: Yeah, no, Slavia Praha... Well... Well... Saw some, some things on Twitter...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Apparently, Slavia Praha are racist. So, I I will not speak. I If I speak, I'm in big, big trouble. <laughs> no,
0: no, I will speak.
1: speak. Uh, I don't <laughs> condone racism, so let's go Arsenal. Just for the, these two games. Only time I'm supporting Arsenal, ever.
0: That's a very fair play to you. Um, now, I will just give the perspective... Kick that, it
1: out, kick it out.
0: Yeah, I will say... If we're looking at the way the results that Slavia Praha has gotten, they beat Leicester team, one of the best sides in England, and they beat the best side in Scotland. Yeah, they could get a result against 10th place Arsenal. Do I think so? Absolutely. But we're going to kick out racism. We do not condone racism on the Goal Hour podcast. We need to make sure that it's not a part of our game or a part of our life, and it starts in sport. That's a huge problem, and the English Premier League, among many other leagues, have been trying to get rid of along with taking a knee, paying for um, marketing tools and resources to try to inform the youth and the general public to s- s- kick out racism and stay safe in our communities. But um, moving Very on... Very respectful. Yeah, Very respectful. But moving on to uh, the next matchup, Granada versus Man United. Again, we talked about looking at these matchups with our minds, but I'm just going to do this with my heart here. My beloved Granada, a team that I've never supported... <laughs> but they have Alvaro Negrero from Valencia, and
1: you know, they're they a small team allowed. in
0: Spain, and I think they could do bits against Man United because United hasn't really shown that they can be a consistent consistent team, in my opinion. I do think that Granada could have some quality to pull off an upset, but albeit it would probably be like a one-goal upset or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, at least I, I hope Granada win. I'm I'm at the exact same... Feeling with you on, uh-huh. on this match. Yeah. Now Ajax and Roma. This is a big game. You have the, uh, the best Dutch team versus one of the best um, Italian teams. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, take it away. I'm not really sure. I don't know much about these teams. Both my teams that I wanted to play are out, <laughs> so...
0: Yeah, I mean, Camilo, you do know a little bit about Ajax, probably. They have Dusan Tajic. They have a couple other good players, like David Neres. Um, they do like to play yeah. a typical 4-3-3, which was developed in um, the Netherlands. Then when... I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. The guy that died. Johan Cruyff. He invented the Cruyff turn. When he came to Barcelona after a little while, started using the 4-3-3. became the president of football ops there as well, so... Yeah, Dutch football has really immersed itself in Spanish football and pep football. (laughs) That's for sure. But um, so, yeah, they do have quality. I think in a matchup versus Ajax and Roma, I don't think there's an underdog, though. Because when you look at Roma that has been playing in the league, they've been fantastic. And it's mainly because of some of the players they possess. But at the same time, now they're sixth in the league, but at the same time, they have quality because of the manager that they have. Pablo Fonseca has been playing with three in the back. Again, Italy and a lot of the Italian teams love to use these new progressive formations and tactics, try to push teams high up the field, man mark and zonal marks in some respects. Like they'll try to switch off between having their wing backs press and having their wing wingbacks uh, play a zone. It's fascinating to watch really, and Fonseca has really transformed that team with Stefano Sciari. Mikitarian um, playing in the ten role, and Niccolò Zaniolo was one of their star young players that tore his ACL at the beginning of the season. So it's huge to see that they're still getting the results there at Roma. So my prediction for that would be that Roma gets the job done. I do think they have more quality than Ajax, but at the same time, Ajax is still a reputable side. I'd see Roma uh, squeezing out a victory there. But then uh, for the final matchup, Dinamo Zagreb versus Villarreal and Camilo. If I'm being honest, I don't think I know that much about it.
1: Uh, all I really know about... What if I care? All I really know about Villarreal are they have um a few key players. And by key, I mean... I know that they have one Colombian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe. I'm not even sure if if it's them that have the Colombian. Mhm. Do they have Carlos Baca? I mean, they might, to be honest. But they do have Unai Emery. Uh, what I the, do know is they the... used to have Santi Cazorla. But um. But they have, they, were... they have a uh, Unai Emery coaching them, and I I do think Villarreal will make it through. Just being that they're the Spanish team, they do have the manager with the bigger reputation. So I mean, like, we're making assumptions here, but I'm I'm feeling like it's probably Villarreal.
0: And at. 34 years old, he still plays for Villarreal Carlos Paca. So he could lead them to a victory, but I mean, we didn't get into our numerical values. So, Camilo, before we close out this mini episode, I guess real quick, let's go for some quick fire numbers here. Arsenal versus Slavia Praha, aggregate score. Let's go.
1: Uh, Arsenal 3, Slavia Praha 1. Well, no, actual prediction Slavia Praha 3, Arsenal 1. Yeah, Both and legs. again,
0: the Goal Hour podcast does not condone or stand for racism. No, but I I hope about, Arsenal win. I yeah, we think hope they Slavia win. Praha. But as far as the objective results, Slavia Praha has had, and the inconsistency Arsenal has had, I mean, it could go either way. But yeah. um, Granada versus Man United, I'm picking two to one Man United on aggregate, or two to one Granada on aggregate. I don't know what you're picking though.
1: Uh well, I'll do the same. Yeah.
0: All right. Um. Roma versus Ajax, I'm going five two Roma.
1: I will go with a uh, three four to Ajax.
0: And then for Villarreal versus Zagreb, they got great result against Tunem, who's arguably a better team than Villarreal, but I do think that Villarreal does take a result. Maybe it's like a three to two or something like that.
1: Uh yeah, I'd say uh 4-1, Villarreal. I don't think Zagreb really has that scale. I think it was just a bad day for Tottenham.
0: Which does happen on multiple occasions. But um, A lot. Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, glad to bring this content through. Um, goal hour. This is one of our first mini-episodes. This was our European Cup special. We got into the UEFA Champions League round of 16 results and our predictions for the quarterfinal legs. And we got into Europa League and did the exact same thing. Fantastic. We love talking about European cup competitions. Love getting into the tactics and the players. So we're glad to have your listenership. Again, any and all content is all pretty much from our European leagues. We love to also incorporate um, like the South American leagues, the Asian leagues, and different leagues. And all the talents there in our full shows. Again, we're going to be doing more mini episodes, we're going to be doing more free-form content with specific topics for example like topics like El Pibe Valderrama um, how Leicester has been so good, um, how Liverpool's injuries have affected them, just little things like that that we might try to hone in on more rather than putting them into the full episode so of course we'll be on YouTube and many other streaming platforms so maybe on YouTube where you can comment just let us know how you guys like those ideas and those Uh, content pieces as they come out but for the goal hour for this mini episode stay tuned for our episode three of season one in the coming days but again to conclude this european cup mini episode um jared johnson who was alongside camilo Yepes, for the goal hour um we'll see you have a good night check out more of our content on the goal hour channel on all streaming platforms thanks again
1: ciao